Welcome to the Vandal Insider Podcast, presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Get the latest information on University of Idaho athletics you won't find anywhere else with the Vandal Insider Podcast. From in-depth conversations to game previews, the Vandal Insider is every fan source for all things Idaho athletics. Now, here is your host, Chris Keene. Welcome into the home playoff week edition of the Vandal Insider Podcast. Chris King joining you as here we are. This exciting time for Vandal Athletics. Not only will the Vandal football team have their first home playoff game in nearly 30 years, two days shy of 30 years coming up Saturday night. We've got Vandal men's hoops at home Saturday afternoon. We've got the Vandal women in action on Friday night. So much excitement going on around Vandal Athletics. And here we are on the Vandal Insider Podcast. A huge thank you to our presenting sponsor of the Vandal Insider Podcast, Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. As the Vandal's team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood, cares for elite athletes, weekend warriors, and everyone in between. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Well, we've got a packed show. No surprise there because we've got a lot to cover. Southern Illinois, the opponent for the Vandals this week. We'll talk to the voice of the Salukis, Luke Martin. We'll get a breakdown of Southern Illinois, their perspective on this game, how their season has gone, and there's even a really neat connection. There's a former Vandal football player on the coaching staff for Southern Illinois. We'll talk to Luke Martin about that. And as we mentioned, it has been 30 years, two days shy of 30 years since the Vandals last hosted a playoff game at the Dome, and our good friend played in that game. Ryan Phillips, not only uh, I had the great fortune of working with him on the Vandal Radio Network, uh, he now can be caught doing some occasional uh, TV broadcasts. Ryan, the Vandal Hall of Famer, played in the NFL for five years, played in over 70 games in the NFL. We'll talk to him. We'll get uh, kind of a trip down memory lane. He had an impact in that last home game as well that the Vandals had uh, hosting in the playoffs. So we will talk to him uh, coming up as well. And we are joined, as we always are, by the VSF's Chris Hammond. And Chris, I got the chance to see you just this last week. You were in Seattle for that uh, stretch of games uh, over Thanksgiving week for the Vandal men's basketball team. First on Wednesday, falling to Seattle U, and then coming away with a great win. Overtime, gritty victory over UC San Diego. That was back on Friday. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving week? Oh, it was awesome. It was so cool to see the basketball team. Actually, I, I essentially have seen their last three, the men's basketball team, their last three games. So it was cool to be able to see them. I really enjoyed that uh, experience up there in Seattle, uh, something that, I wouldn't mind if they did something like that every year. I thought personally the Vandal turnout was pretty great, especially during the Seattle U game and also good on, on the Friday game against UC San Diego. So it was a lot of fun seeing the Vandals, uh, you know, outside of the ICCU arena and a great Thanksgiving. It just getting to spend it with friends and family and hang out with the dog, take a break and kick back and watch some of these uh, round one playoff games. And there was a couple doozies and, Kind of did some advanced scouting for uh, SIU and, you know, see what we're up against. 
Well, it really did feel like a home game uh, for those uh, for that last game uh, against UC San Diego when the Vandals got a victory in that matchup. Uh, so many players on the Vandal men's basketball team, either from the Puget Sound area or with ties to the Seattle area. And uh, in a game that went to overtime, I uh, needed every little bit of that energy and that support possible. And the Vandals got it from that crowd. And uh, uh, not to, to gloss over the fact how good of a victory that was over UC San Diego. That's not just a win over Division one opponent uh, UC San Diego entered that game 4-0 on the season and three of those four wins had come against division one opponents so Idaho getting a really nice victory handing UC San Diego their first loss of the year and last Saturday was round one of the playoffs so watching those games unfold pretty much went chalk there's the Sac State victory over North Dakota but maybe no huge surprises as you watch kind of the other action unfold in the Vandal football team uh, they're able to watch as well earning the right to get that rest that recuperation getting a little more time to prepare uh, the Vandals got to sit and watch everyone else duke it out in the first round uh, Chris what did you think of how the first round of the SCS playoffs went? The big one was probably, you know, Chattanooga being that team that was probably questionable why they even got in, especially as they kind of had that UC Davis thing where uh, they had been beat by Western Carolina in just a few weeks prior and Western Carolina gets left out and UC or Chattanooga goes in. But then Chattanooga in essence justifies being in the field by beating Austin P on the road. One of the few, road victories uh in the first round of the playoffs and uh the other road victory coming from the big sky zone sac state so both teams that were kind of the questionable i don't know if they should have been in an over the teams that had beaten them previously both go on the road both advance so uh that part was cool and then you really look down this docket i mean you never want to say uh, it's fun when the playoffs are big we have a 24 team where the fbs has a four eventually a 12 but then you know the the cream always kind of rises to the crop. You look at this, it's basically the big four conferences, the SOCON, the CAA, Missouri Valley, and the Big Sky are the ones that are, are left here standing. And if you look throughout history, those are the conferences that have the most national titles. So uh, it's fun that everybody gets a bid and everybody has a chance. But here we are only run, one round in, and we're basically down to the big four conferences already. Well, that is a very interesting point, and uh, that was the matchup between Sac State and North Dakota. That is a nice victory for the Big Sky. Obviously, the two top conferences in the FCS, and maybe not the, the number one team from either conference, but for the Big Sky to get Sac State to go to Grand Forks and get that road victory over North Dakota. And of course, the Vandals are going to have their hands full coming up on Saturday with a Missouri Valley team in Southern Illinois. And uh, we'll dive into that game coming up. Luke Martin, lots of great information with the voice of the Salukis. Uh, a full recap of how their season is gone. He'll talk about their strengths. We'll also discuss, shoot, South Dakota State has been, uh, they've been the clear-cut number one team, the defending champs. Uh, they have been the team to knock off in the FCS this year. And Montana State was about an inch or two away from beating them. But besides that, Southern Illinois is close as anyone uh, hanging tough with South Dakota State. So they had a, a really tight game with the Jackrabbits. You look at the record, four losses. Uh, maybe you go back to the loss against North Dakota State. Uh, uh, not the, the perfect game for them by any means, but a team that has played a tough schedule. They got that FBS win over Northern Illinois, and it will be a very formidable opponent for the Vandals coming up on Saturday. And speaking of Saturday,
Saturday. And what an opportunity this is for fans. Not only can you catch the Vandal football team in action for the playoff game starting at 7 o'clock Pacific time, well, there is a ticket deal. The Vandal men's basketball team will be hosting Cal Poly at the ICCU Arena at 2 o'clock Pacific time. And if you go to that game, you show your ticket to the football game, you can get a GA ticket for the hoops game for just $5. So I love this from Athletics, making this ticket deal. I think there's going to be a big crowd for the hoops game on Saturday. And what a special opportunity. I know some folks, uh, maybe for football, they're traveling from out of town. The weather's better. They don't get to make as many basketball trips, but they plan on being there for this game on Saturday that they'll get to see both teams in action at a very affordable price uh, for that basketball ticket. This is pretty neat, Chris. It. I mean, it's the perfect deal. I've always thought it would be so fantastic if we always had a basketball game, basically that Friday night or the morning or after one of the football games. And I understand logistically that's very hard to pull off for an athletic department of any size, uh, but especially at the FCS mid-major level. So the fact that with the playoffs and stuff, you know, we kind of forced our hand a little bit and we do get to do this. I think if, if you're in the Kibbe Dome, it's an excuse that the lot is going to be open a little bit earlier because of basketball. So I think, you know, why not go get yourself a $5 ticket, go enjoy the men's hoop team, especially since I know a lot of people I talk to still haven't been in that arena. This is that opportunity to go catch it. Very affordable. It's going to be fun. Got to get your juices flowing. And then uh, a little, little known trick I learned when we did have a game Friday before the uh, last home game, you can buy tokens as well in the ICCU arena for those of you that like an adult beverage. So if you want to skip that line in the Kibbe Dome, you can preload up on your tokens at the basketball game when there's only, you know, maybe 4,000 people you're competing with instead of possibly 15,000. So uh, go check them out. Juice Mims is absolutely worth the price of admission. The whole team is, but Mims makes some of those highlight-worthy plays that you're not going to feel bad you spent five bucks because he'll probably give you five slam dunks. So plug for the basketball team. Go check them out, and let's let's keep that energy rolling all day. I'm so excited. This is like a, a Vandal Fan Fest that we've never had before, you know, first home playoff game. And since what, I believe it's 1993 uh, basketball in an arena that some, most of these people I'll be up there. I've never been in. I mean, we say it every week, but there's no better time to be a vandal than 2023. Well, it just makes for even more incentive if you're on the fence, wherever you might be coming from. If you haven't pulled the trigger yet on making plans for this weekend, uh, even more incentive to make it happen, to come to Moscow and to experience this. Uh, what's going to be a special day for Vandal Athletics? Well, with that, we're going to dive into our interviews. Coming up next, Luke Martin, the voice of the Salukis. After that, Ryan Phillips, Vandal Hall of Fame player. We'll talk about him playing in that last home game, which was almost 30 years ago to the day. And then, Chris, you and I will come back a little bit later on to talk more about the game with the Salukis. But right now, here is our interview with the voice of the Salukis, Luke Martin. Well, Luke, we appreciate the time today. and We're excited to have you out on the Palouse here coming up on Saturday. Uh, can you give Vandal fans kind of a crash course on the season for the Salukis? How would you say this season has unfolded for the team? Yeah, Chris, number one, man. Thanks so much for the time. Really looking forward to getting out to the Kibbe Dome. And, uh, you know, I'm sure maybe at some point we'll talk about, you know, our tight ends coach, Nate Griffin. He actually was a fullback for the Vandals back in the day from 2000, 2003. So, you know, there's some ties within the Saluki staff uh, to the Vandal program still. But, you know, the season, it began just with such a bang. I mean, to start out right out of the gate, um, didn't really know what type of team Austin P would be. Of course, they eventually win the United Athletic Conference. 
They were the best team in their league. That game wasn't even close. Uh, Southern jumped out to a 42-3 to lead. It was pure domination, and Southern pulled their starters after three quarters, and then the lost the peak at their starters into the game, and that's when they kind of made the score look a little bit closer than what it was in the fourth. But then you go on the road, and you beat Northern Illinois, who's going to be going to a bowl game in the MAC, and of course, Northern Illinois being within the state in the Chicago area, it's now back-to-back years where Southern has beaten an FBS team and ironically an FBS team in the Chicago area with Northwestern last year and then Northern Illinois this year. And then a big rivalry game in the non-con is the battle for the wheel, the war for the wheel with SEMO. And Southern did not play well. Uh, they were down 15 nothing at halftime. They had to make a spirited effort to come back in the second half. And Isaiah Hartrip caught a game-winning touchdown with just under 10 seconds to go in that game to win it at SEMO. And non-con, you were perfect. You're through, and then you start off Missouri Valley Conference play with a really good win against Missouri State. And then from that point on, SIU just couldn't win the big one. You know, they had South Dakota State at home, who, of course, has had an outstanding year, which we all know the ties with Coach Jack into that program as well with Coach Rogers, who's now taken over. They had their chances to win that game. I mean, 17-10, that was the final. It was homecoming. Tremendous crowd at home in Carbondale, but just too many missed opportunities. And then they got another opportunity against South Dakota State at home two weeks later. And they had second and goal at the two-yard line, trailing by a touchdown under a minute to go, and were unable to get anything out of it. Uh, And that was a really tough one because if Southern found a way to win that game, then you go in the Fargo and then Indiana State at the end of the year to feel like you got a chance to play for a seed. Um, You didn't get it. You lost your second chance at home, and then you go on the road. You you had a chance against Fargo um, with North Dakota State on the road. But again, it was a game that got away in the second half. So, but a dominating effort last week, 35-0 against Nichols. Really everything positive to take away. First shutout win in postseason history for this team. Nick Hill's teams have been known to be for their offense and score. He's the former quarterback for SIU uh, back in the late 2000s for head coach Jerry Kill. But this team is different, Chris. This team is built on defense, and that has been their calling card each and every week with the Lukey defense hasn't allowed an offensive touchdown now in over eight quarters. So they've been really good here down the stretch. They've been really good all year, and that's why this is a team that feels really good about themselves uh, hanging into Moscow this weekend. Well, it should make for a great matchup. And you lead me into my next question is obviously it jumps out uh, on the page when you're looking at the stats, how good this defense is. I know I saw the stat that the team is not allowed a touchdown in four of the 12 games this year. What makes this defense so stout? Very quick, very fast. I think you'll see that uh, relatively quickly, uh, no pun intended, I guess, this weekend um, in the Kibbe Dome. They they just swarm to the ball. I know that's every defense's goal. I mean, every defense, and I kind of asked that to Antonio James, who our defensive coordinator is this year in his first year doing it uh, for SIU. It's just he really puts a lot of emphasis on their athleticism and their speed. And at times, you'll see an SIU defense. They'll change their front up. Sometimes they'll be in a three-man front, uh, which the majority of the game they are, but they'll also play in a four-man front. But their linebackers from Dune Smith, Zach Barola, Branson Combs, Ben Bogle has come on late, Colin Bohannock, a transfer from Eastern Illinois, those guys in conjunction with that defensive line, whoever's been in, 
they've been able to rotate so many different guys up front and have been able to stay fresh. They fly around to the ball. And arguably the biggest difference with the Saluki team this year is on the back end. TJ Jules, he's an all-American guy, very similar to, which I don't know if Vandal fans will know the name, Jeremy Chin, but Jeremy Chin in the NFL now at the Carolina Panthers. TJ is basically Jeremy Chin 2.0. It's utilized a lot of different ways. You'll see him at safety at times. You'll see him at corner. You'll see him up front at times, basically as a down lineman. You'll see him at linebacker. I mean, he is going to move all over the field. He's the key guy that really holds everything together, but also DJ Johnson and Mark Davis, two corners who played a lot a year ago, got thrown for a lot of flags, a lot of penalties, really cost Southern in some key games. This year, they've been step to step. They've been step for step with a lot of talented wideouts, which of course Southern's going to see this weekend in Idaho. So that's been why the defense has been so good. They've been flying around. They're very quick to the ball. And also they've been very good on the back end and having a guy like PJ Jules where you can just utilize him in so many different ways. Well, that is so much great information on the defense. And Nick Hill, as you pointed out, uh, an outstanding uh, offensive coach, his background with the program, an outstanding player. So on the offensive side of the ball, on the other side of things, when things are clicking, when things are going well for the Salukis, what makes the offense potent? Explosive plays. Chris, that is exactly what Southern is built on, uh, and and really explosive running plays. And at times, the passing game this year hasn't been as consistent as they would have liked. It's been much better here down the stretch. Uh, Nick Baker, who's the quarterback, he is all-time leader now in basically every major statistical category, uh, breaking Joel Samberski's, all of his records. He broke his passing touchdown record over the weekend. Joel Samberski was actually teammates with Nick Hill, Coach Hill was on the roster with Joel, so a really good tie there in terms of the history of the program and the relationship factor there. But a lot of it can be keyed up to is does Nick Baker get time up front? You look at the losses this year, what's the one consistency factor? And that is Nick Baker has been under a lot of duress. At times, I think Nick would even say this too, Nick Baker that is, not Nick Hill. we got a lot of different Nicks around here, uh, Chris, from time to time. But I think Nick Baker would even admit too, there is some blame that he's had the shoulder. I think there's been times where he's held onto the ball a little bit too long and it has caused a lot of coverage. There's been coverage sacks, whatever, pulling on that football way too long. He's got to improve that in these games. And when Southern's been good here down the stretch, he hasn't been under a lot of duress. But I think those are the two things. Are there explosive plays? Will Roe Elliott have a 60-yard touchdown run like he had against Nichols last week? Uh, will Nick Baker be slinging the ball around the yard like he has at times this year? When explosive plays happens, a lot of the reason for that is Nick Baker's getting time. So I think those are the two things that really intertwine this team when the offense of when it's not clicking versus when it is. Well, you uh, pointed out a really fun connection that there is in this game. And this is pretty <laughs> neat that that these two programs meet up when just, you know, uh, not very likely unless it is in the playoffs. But tight ends yeah. coach Nate Griffin for the Salukis, former Vandal player. Have you had a, a chance to, to talk to him about it? Has that been brought up at all in your in your conversations with him that there is this unique tie in this playoff matchup? Absolutely. He's actually a guest on our podcast this week, which I sent out on Monday. He's a tremendous man, number one. I mean, Coach Griffin, one of the things that's been so great to get to know him this year is he has been a constant on Coach Hill's staff. He's the only coach 
right now on staff. It's been in Carbondale every year that Nick Hill has been the head coach. So there's been continuity there with him. And one of the final questions I asked him was, I said, you know, what's it going to be like for you, you know, going into the Kibbe Dome? You know, when he was there, you know, there weren't a ton of wins that happened under Coach Cable, but there was a lot of pride still within that program. And you could just see in his eyes, like when you ask that question, Chris, you ask questions all the time. I know you do. When you just get that look of it's different, that was the look I got from Coach Griffin. And and it wasn't even so much that, you know, he even put the spin on it too. I mean, his his coaching career started at Northern Illinois. And guess who we played this year at Northern? Um, so this year he's really had just kind of some really good memorable road trips with Northern early with his time with Coach Kill. And now, of course, to head back home, he met his wife at Idaho. He's obviously still got a lot of family out that way, him and his wife both. I mean, it's it's going to be a, an emotional whirlwind for him to go in there. And I know, like he said, you know, when you get in the coaching world, you don't necessarily get a ton of time to watch your alma mater a ton um, where you play because you're just so busy with your own job. Um, I know he has a ton of pride in that program still. Uh, he used to wear the neck roll. So all of our coaches this week have been asking me to just absolutely post photos unlimited of Coach Griffin with his neck roll at Idaho uh, back in his fullback days. So everyone's giving him a lot of grief about wearing the old neck roll uh, with his old Idaho uniform. But he's looking forward to it. And mostly he's looking forward to it because Southern feels really confident about the team they have. And there's nothing but respect from that side of what Coach Eck has done at Idaho and just really a quick turnaround to build that program right back into being an elite program at the FCS level. Well, such a special homecoming there. And as you say, there's no lack of mutual respect. Uh, Two programs having outstanding years coming from great conferences. And uh, uh, that's the hope is you get to duke it out with another high quality team to see who can uh, move on and and who has their season come to an end. And and look, we just appreciate the time. I got one more question for you. And you've had uh, so much great information, uh, especially on talking about Nate Griffin there. But uh, any other stories? I know in the the job that we get to do, we get to learn all these fun stories. And if an Idaho fan is learning about the Salukis, uh, any other stories that that you've picked up along the way that, that you have to pass along? that an Idaho fan uh, might find interesting about about learning about some of these outstanding players and coaches uh, that make up the program for the Salukis? Yeah, I think there's so many great stories. As you know, it's hard to really pick one or two, but one guy who totally continues to get overlooked is a Branson Combs. I mean, Branson Combs, who's our starting Mike linebacker, he caught the game-winning touchdown to beat Weber State in the playoffs back in the spring 21. Um, He was a receiver. And then after that season, he got shifted to linebacker. And what's he done? He's an all-conference linebacker. Um, And Branson is also just one of the all-around great guys. And just one of those guys you enjoy getting to talk to, seeing every day, picking everybody up. I mean, P.J. Jules is absolutely the same way. Really came from nothing uh, growing up to now just all of a sudden being somebody that is on NFL-type radars to have a chance to play at the next level. Um, you go through, I mean, Nick Baker, I mean, gosh, our offense, what's so funny, Chris, and you'll look at it when you go through your two deep and you go through your depth chart, we really have a height requirement. I don't think you can be over five foot eight to be in the backfield. Um, all our skill position guys from Nick Baker, five foot eight, Vincent Davis, I think five foot seven, Ro Elliott, five foot seven. I mean, we have so many guys who are just short and quick and fast. 
Uh, but so many guys of this program, which Coach Hill says all the time, you know, you get a lot of guys with a chip on their shoulder. And so many guys, I'm sure there's a ton of Vandal players that feel the same way, overlooked by Pac-12 schools or overlooked by Big Ten Max schools in our region, in our area. They play with a huge chip. They really just want to go out there and play hard and represent a region that loves their brand and loves the Salukis. That's what I'm looking forward to is being able to go on the road, to go into an environment where Southern has never been, and to really see a similar community, I feel like, to Carbon Bowl, Chris, of two communities that just absolutely get behind their programs, get behind their teams, and when they're successful, they're going to be there for them. And I know it's going to be an absolute tremendous atmosphere, and I hope Vandal fans, uh, you know, obviously I know they want to win the game. Of course, Salukis want to win the game. I hope there's a lot of mutual respect from the fan base that they just enjoy the brand of football that Southern plays on Saturday with the Idaho Vandals. Well, that is well said. And for you, I know uh, you're a veteran broadcaster <laughs> and in a new spot, but you've been well-traveled. Is this going to be your first time ever out to the Palouse? It is. It's going to be my very first time. So I, I asked Coach Griffin, I was like, hey, what's a really good spot, you know, to eat out there, you know, all this kind of thing. Luke, it's been a while, brother. <laughs> so, so you know, maybe not for right now, but Vandal fans, find me on social media. Well, whatever you can do, uh, whatever requests, uh, Chris, you got everyone out there, uh, send them our way. We'd love to have a really good time because we're going to have some time with a late kick on Saturday. No doubt about it. That is uh, that's late for us here in Pacific <laughs> on Pacific time, let alone what it's going to be like uh, for folks who are used to Central time with the kickoff coming up on Saturday. Luke, we are super appreciative of the time. We're looking forward to having you here on the Palouse. And uh, just thanks again and excited for a fun matchup Saturday night. Absolutely, Chris. It's going to be a fun one. I think it has definitely the potential to be the game of the weekend. I hope it is for you and me to have an entertaining call. But thanks so much for the time and look forward to seeing you this weekend. Well, we'd like to once again thank our presenting sponsor of the Vandal Insider Podcast, Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. When he's not caring for the Vandals, his team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood, provides the same MVP orthopedic care to our entire region at Inland Orthopedics. Our team is your team. And now we are joined by Vandal Hall of Famer Ryan Phillips. Went on to play five seasons in the NFL with the Giants and the Colts and someone I had the good fortune of working with on the radio broadcast. Now fans still able to catch him on a select TV broadcast for Idaho games during the fall. I know depending on the schedule as you get to follow your daughter's college sports career uh, always fun to be able to visit this is especially a good time to chat ryan because saturday is the first home playoff game for the vandals since december 4th 1993 when idaho beat boston university well you not only played in that game you were a huge part of the team's 21 to 14 win over boston university you had two and a half sacks in that game including a key play when you sacked boston u quarterback Robert Dortry for a loss of 14 yards on a third down play that uh, forced them to take a 41-yard field goal that they missed. And so now the things are coming full circle. The Vandals are hosting their first playoff game since you were in an Idaho uniform. Uh, how do you look back on that last home playoff game? Well, I remember it was uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a decent crowd. You know, it was right around the holidays, but... Uh... You know, it's always the playoff. It's always a weird atmosphere because you're playing teams that you, you don't know a lot about, right? There's nobody to 
really compare it to. And of course you watch film and all that, but uh, it's, it's just, there's no, there's not the rivalry aspect, but the stakes are high. So, um, you know, you come into the game without any uh, grudges against, you know, that team, but you obviously really, really, really want to win that game. So I remember it being a fun one. You know, we had, you know, I was just a, a freshman. It was my first year uh, playing Richard freshman, but we had guys like the Russ and Jim Wells and, um, you know, defensive guys like Jason Schultz. And I was just kind of along for the ride, just trying to do my job that first year. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun. I remember uh, long, Touchdown scamper by Andy Gilroy that ended up on Sports Center. And uh, Chris Berman, given his, you know, he could go all the way deal, but Andy wasn't the fastest guy. So I remember Chris Berman going, he could go all, still going the way. <laughs> it took him so long to get there, but he was, you know, like an 80 something yard touchdown reception. So it was a lot of fun. Well, it's nice to not only have that game at home, you get the environment like you had there in 1993, but to not have to go on the road. Uh, from a player perspective, how big is that? Because the, this travel, everything kind of comes together last second for the playoffs, and you think Boston had to travel a long way to, to come out to the Palouse, and now it's not uh, easy to get from Carbondale, Illinois, to Moscow, Idaho. Uh, how big of a boost do you think that is that the Vandals not only get to host this game, but if they defeat a tough opponent on Saturday, the opportunity to host one more? Yeah, I think that's huge. Um, you know, it's fun to go to different places and see new places. I think, you know, when I was playing, went to Louisiana a couple times, and that was always, you know, different. A lot of us had never been down south, and so it's fun, but it's a lot harder. So, yeah, there's a huge advantage to that. And, you know, these crowds that um, all this excitement that Axel uh, can bring uh, to this program is neat because uh, I, I can't think you have about I don't know, eight or 9,000 people in that playoff game in 93. And I would think there'll probably be more than that this game. He's just got uh, the fan base all fired up. So that's a huge advantage too, just having the crowd. And, um, you know, the, the way he's been able to get them fired up on third downs and, and the people making a lot of noise. I mean, it's just a huge advantage for um, defense. Well, good memory because I have the reported uh, attendance number from that game in front of me, 8,800. So you were spot on uh, with your range. And speaking of good crowds, I thought it was an excellent crowd uh, going into Thanksgiving week for that final home game against Idaho State. You were on the call on the TV broadcast handling uh, the color commentary for that. So uh, you got to be there. You got to witness what was, uh, you know, a kind of a beatdown of Idaho State. How encouraged were you by that final regular season performance for the Vandals and uh, obviously the team hoping to take that momentum into the playoffs. Yeah, really encouraged. I mean, that's that's the way you want to do it. I mean, you look at uh, some teams out there. I mean, Montana teams are a great example of, you know, one team starting extremely hot and kind of starting to fade and the other team starting out pretty cold and building momentum. And, um, you know, Idaho, yeah, leaving that last game on such a big win is nice because you always want to get momentum going into playoffs, um, especially when you don't know a lot about the opposing team. So. Um, all those things help for sure. The bracket came out uh, that Sunday following the game. The first round games, obviously, in the books now. No, no crazy surprises. Nice from the Big Sky point of view to see Sac State beat North Dakota. But uh, uh, when you looked at that bracket, when you saw, you know, what the, the Vandals' path would be if they could win and to try to make a deep run, uh, any thoughts on what the bracket looks like? 
Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, there was, of course, you know, Davis, a lot of people thought Davis messed up, especially after, you know, hindsight looking at last weekend's games. You know, it's, uh, there were a couple blowouts, and, and Davis probably deserved to be in there, in my opinion, and a lot of other people's, uh, opinions, especially seeing, you know, how they beat Sac State and Sac State did so well last weekend. But, um, you know, the bracket, I think it looks really good for Idaho, obviously a four seed. So you get to buy, um, you have to get a couple wins and you get them at, you get to play at home those first two games. Uh, you know, the tough one coming against South Dakota State, but I, I, I they're obviously you know, ranked number one, number one seed, they're incredibly good team. I don't think they're as unbeatable as a lot of people do. But, um, you know, a little disappointed. I kind of wanted to see Idaho at the same side as you know, Montana and get a little rematch there. But uh, I guess if they uh, win a couple more games, uh, there's the possibility of seeing Montana and Frisco. So we'll see. Yeah, that would be something. I remember when we talked to Mark Schlereth of the podcast uh, earlier this year, he mentioned how uh, one of the years he was playing at Idaho, they lost in the regular season of Montana, thought they were the better team, then played them in the playoffs and beat them then. So uh, no better way to beat up with Montana again than uh, in Frisco with a a national championship uh, on the line. And I know you were keeping an eye on things during the opening round. Uh, Southern Illinois, the Vandals' opponent, uh, they got a a clear victory over Nichols State. Uh, I know you again you're kind of keeping tabs on things uh what are your thoughts what's your assessment of this southern illinois team that the vandals will be playing yeah they're really tough and gritty team you know not a lot of finesse but they i mean uh, the first thing that stands out is really their defense i mean they've got one of the top defenses in the country and they're only allowing you know i think it's 16 so points a game so it's you know they're really good so that'll be a really interesting matchup especially early uh, at, at the Idaho game, you know, and seeing what goes on in that uh, three corner, I think it's probably going to give you a good idea um, of what the rest of the game is going to be like. You know, really good defense, but again, they're coming from you know two different teams that um, don't know a lot about each other. So we'll see. You know, turnover margins always huge. Uh, Nichols going into that Southern Illinois game, you know, they they had a plus nine turnover margin. Southern Illinois was plus five, but um, I think Southern Illinois had. Uh, Turnovers in that game, and and I don't believe Nichols did. So that's uh, you know that's huge. And they, and they had a couple big plays, but um, you know it's interesting to watch them on offense. They're, they're not um, not a super finesse team. They just find a way to make it happen, and they pound the ball really well. They got some good downhill runners. They've also got some good receivers. And Baker, their quarterback, finds a way to just put that ball into their hands, and it's. It's not the prettiest ball, but they find a way to make it happen. Well, I thought it was interesting. You mentioned kind of the the turnover margin and the takeaway numbers. You did some interesting research about that going into the playoffs, given a breakdown of every single team. Uh, once you did that and you had the numbers in front of you, uh, what, were you, what was your analysis of that? What did that kind of tell you when you looked at the takeaway numbers for all the teams in the bracket? Well, it's kind of, you know, it's backward looking. The thing that impressed me most was, you look at Idaho and, and negative five. I mean, any of these teams that are negative um, turnover margin going into the playoffs, I think, tells you a lot. I mean, they've had to overcome a lot. It also tells you if they can turn that around, how much better of a team they could be. And I mean, Idaho negative five. That's it's tough to make the playoffs, and even tougher to uh, be a seed, a seeded team with a negative turnover margin. So. Um, you know, if that that's something if if Idaho can go and not be negative, be positive in the turnover, along with all the other good stuff they're doing in offense and defense, 
Um, you know, it, it, it makes you think that they can uh, make a deep run at the playoffs here. Every game, the Vandals have created at least one turnover in this year. Their defense has created one turnover. They have one. And you mentioned that uh, about being negative five going into the playoffs. Well, shoot, they were plus four in their last regular season game. So it was negative nine going into the Idaho State game, which it shows you if uh, things can get kind of rolling and that momentum can carry over when it comes to creating turnovers, uh, what uh, could be possible as we've seen this defense uh, play really strong this year, just maybe not the uh, overall takeaway numbers that they were hoping for, but uh, a great opportunity to get that going here, going into the playoffs. And, and Ryan, we appreciate the time, and it sounds like uh, we'll potentially see you at the Dome on Saturday. I know you've been busy uh, uh, following the, the college careers of your daughters, and you'll be in Iowa, but uh, fingers crossed if uh, if flights go right that, that you'll be at the Dome Saturday night. Yeah, everything. If flights are on time, I should be rolling in the Kibbe Dome right at kickoff. So look forward to seeing you there. Love it. Ryan, thanks so much for the time. And uh, again, we're holding out hope that everything's right on time, and we'll see you there Saturday. Sounds good, man. Thanks. Well, again, thanks to our friend Ryan Phillips for joining us here on the Vandal Insider Podcast, getting his perspective on playing in that last home Vandal playoff game. Two days shy of 30 years to the day when Saturday's playoff matchup with Southern Illinois takes place. Well, we'd also like to remind you that the Vandal Insider Podcast is presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. As the Vandal's team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood, cares for elite athletes, weekend warriors, and everyone in between. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Well, here we are back with Chris Hammond. We learned a lot in that conversation with Luke Martin about Southern Illinois. Uh, this is a team, especially with the stingy defense. We know how explosive the Vandals can be on offense, but they're going to have their hands full with this Southern Illinois defense. They have an offensive-minded head coach, but a defense that has really been stout this season. And Chris, uh, what runs to your mind? What do you think it's going to take for the Vandals to make Saturday a good one and to survive and advance and to get a victory over the Salukis? You know, we've had a tendency to play to the competition this year is, I guess, how I'd put it. And this is a game where we've got to come out like we came out against Montana State, how we came out against Idaho State, how we came out against Nevada. We can't, uh, you know, if you look at the Missouri Valley standings, you could get lulled a little bit on how good this Southern Illinois team is. You mentioned it. They gave probably the best fight to South Dakota State outside of Montana State this year. They also, you know, only lost by seven to South Dakota, who is the three seed in this field. So by no means is this team a uh, a team you can sleep on. Their defense is stingy. They like to run the ball. They've got also have a young, energetic coach just like us. Uh, obviously, Eck does have some familiarity with Hill because of his time in the Missouri Valley, but this is a team that we absolutely have to – and I don't think the team would come out sleeping. Playoffs, Dome should be rocking, but, I mean, we can't have what we had against Montana where we let them jump out to a big lead and we got to play from behind. Uh, we can't have what happened with Weber where we kind of take a lead and then let them kind of slowly crawl back. Uh, this is a game where we've got to be wire to wire because if we're not, I mean, Southern Illinois is a dangerous team from this arguably is the best conference in the FCS, either first or second, depending on who you ask. So, um Missouri Valley is deep. The standings can be deceiving. This team is, uh, they match up well against us. So it, it'll be a, people get the money's worth. I think that's why, yes, the late slot helps, but uh, ESPN was like, what game probably could be the most competitive? It's probably going to be that Montana State, North Dakota State on the other side, and then probably this one for second round games. 
Well, what a great honor for the program and what great recognition for the University of Idaho to be selected once again, second time this year to have a game on ESPN2. This is the only game in this round of the FCS playoffs that will be on a linear network. And this isn't on ESPNU, which there's nothing wrong with ESPNU. ESPNU is great. This is on ESPN2. And I know, Chris, you and I talked about this before the Montana game, the first ESPN2 game. I spoke about it with Coach Eck. Uh, you're not only uh, on so many uh, cable providers across the country. Think about a bars in New York, D.C., Chicago, L.A. Uh, there's such a limited number of games on at that point during that window. Uh, the Vandals will be on across the nation. And, uh, and that number last time, right around quarter of a million, I know, was the viewership number uh, for when the Vandals took on Montana. Excited to see what can happen here when the Vandals are once again on a national stage. And that just means that uh, even more incentive to have the Dome as packed as possible. The Dome looked great on ESPN2 last time against Montana. So to get as many folks in there to help support the team for this home game that they have earned. And then, of course, uh, uh, try to get a victory and have another home game of the week after. Survive in advance. That's the name of the game this time of year. And uh, one point I do want to bring up, and Coach Eck mentioned this last week when we had our instant reaction podcast with him right after the bracket was unveiled, that this coaching staff, in a short amount of time, this is year two for them, has had a really strong track record when they have had time to prepare. And with the bye, you get that time to prepare. While Southern Illinois had to play Nichols State last week. You look at going into last season, they played WSU right down to the wire in the opener. Coming off of the bye last year, they go on the road and defeat Montana and Missoula. A huge win, uh, win number one of last season as far as probably the top win last season for the Vandals. And then you go to this year, really strong in the opener against Lamar. And that was a Lamar team that maybe didn't have high expectations going into the year from outside of the program. They had a surprisingly good year, and the Vandals had a convincing win in Beaumont over Lamar. That game was on a Thursday. You got two more days to prep, and with that, the Vandals went down to Reno and dominated, absolutely dismantled Nevada. And then the bye this year, you come off of that, and what do you do? You beat a Montana State team at home, and the Bobcats were flying high at that point. So uh, the team has really, really been strong coming off of buys when they've had time to prepare, when this coaching staff has had a little extra time, and that will be the case for the Vandals going into Saturday. And I think that's a streak we want to continue. Why break it, right? <laughs> exactly. And one thing I want to make sure we hit on, it doesn't get kind of lost in this busy and exciting time, is the fact that a number of guys have been honored. All conference honors have come out. I know uh, just recently one of the early publications that does uh, freshman All-American accolades came out with X-Ray Alexander on the list. A great, uh, who is a, for, great honor for the linebacker who's been so outstanding. I would really beat the drum for Dallas off of Lava to be on a freshman All-American list as well. We'll see if that happens. Those two guys have been outstanding uh, amongst a number of impact freshmen for the Vandals. And the All-Conference honors, well, you know, maybe no surprise to see Hayden Hatton on there. No surprise to see uh, Giovanni McCoy on there. But uh, Chris, I know you've had the chance to, to study the list, uh, and I think more honors are coming. You know, there's more honors get announced in the weeks to come. But uh, thoughts on how the uh, the all-conference honors uh, went for the Vandals? Yeah, you know, the big one is there were only four unanimous selections for the Big Sky first team on offense and defense combined. One of those was our very own Hayden Hatton. I think it goes to show, though, he might not have had the numbers he had last year, 
He was still the most dominant player probably in the big sky. A little shocked he didn't win offensive MVP. Uh, that said, Lan Larson, another kid from Idaho, from Caldwell, I believe, did end up winning that award. But, uh, you know, he put up some impressive numbers in eight games. But you look at that, Giovanni McCoy gets first-team quarterback. Anthony Woods gets first-team running back. Hayden Hatton um, gets first-team wide receiver. And then Marcus Harris gets first-team corner. I mean, beginning of the year, you probably would have picked. Those are the guys that were most likely eligible for the first team. Uh, and then, you know, you know Idaho – oh, and Ricardo Chavez gets first-team kicker and second-team punter, which is interesting. I, I felt like maybe they didn't want to give him both first teams because I he's a great kicker. I feel like he's an even better punter, but I'm sure he'll take having a first and a second team. And then you look at the second team, Jermaine Jackson makes it. So, though, again, a guy that had a quieter year than last year, still a productive year, still respected by the coaches. So, and um, a good year. against Idaho State, too, for J.J. Big game, yes. nice way to, to have his senior day. Yes, and he did get second team all team or uh, all conference punt returner as well, um, and then Sean McCormick getting the special teams player on the second team. You know, we have some honorable mentions like Aiden Kanapik, uh, Keyshawn James Newby, who's been a great add. I'm sure was in the running for conference newcomer of the year. Uh, then you've got uh, Dallas Offalava, Trey Thomas, Xre Alexander, and Tommy McCormick, and then Jer- uh, Jermaine Jackson for kick returner. So Idaho getting a lot of love on the all conference team. Um, it, it's important to have. I think all these guys would much rather have some playoff wins than individual accolades. But uh, good thing for them is they get the opportunity to keep keep adding to the team success. One other quick thought while we're on this. It definitely raised an eyebrow for me that Coach Eck was not on the finalist list for the Eddie Robinson Award. I think uh, Idaho fans, fans of college football in the Pacific Northwest, fans of the FCS, fans of college football across the country, uh, who are in the know, they realize what a great job that Coach Eck has done here. So while they might not end in a uh, formal award, the Eddie Robinson Award uh, this year, or the Big Sky Coach of the Year Award, uh, the job that he has done has been absolutely phenomenal in two years. Now with that, uh, the thing, the team just wants to keep rolling and, and make a deep run in the playoffs. And here we are, Chris, Southern Illinois coming up on Saturday. Uh, anything else we haven't touched on you think we should hit on uh, before we uh, call it a day here? Yeah, the, the best way for Coach Eck to prove that they were all wrong by not putting him on that list is to just keep winning playoff games, make a deep, deep playoff run, and then make them all have egg on their face. And they go, how is this guy not even a finalist for the Eddie Robinson Award? But uh, I, I'd say we have one of the toughest paths to the final. Southern Illinois is a, a, a very tough second-round matchup. Depending how the quarterfinals go, Richmond and or – um, you Albany is not going to be easy. And then obviously you got South Dakota state waiting there at the end. And then whoever comes from that other side of the bracket, both Montana schools, Sac state, South Dakota, North Dakota state. I mean, that one's real. We're not going to have a single easy game this playoffs. So, uh, if whatever we win, we've earned, so it will be fun to watch. And man, I'm so excited. I, I, um, I just want to get to the Kibbe dome. I'm, I actually didn't like the week off. I was so ready for football, but I know the team, appreciated that week off and as you mentioned they've done they've done good with resting we had some bang uh, some just bangs and bruises on some of the players i'm assuming those will be appreciative of 14 days off so uh man let's get let's get ripping and roaring for saturday hoops football great day to be a vandal 
That is for sure. Well, we'll call it an episode right here. So much excitement coming up. Can't wait to see everyone at the ICCU Arena Friday night for the women's game, Saturday afternoon for the men's game, and of course, Saturday night at the P1FCU Kibbe Dome. First playoff game in Moscow for the Vandal football program in 30 years. It is going to be a fun one, and it will be a really good matchup against a strong Southern Illinois team. Well, once again, we'd like to thank our presenting sponsor of the Vandal Insider Podcast, Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. When he's not caring for the Vandals, his team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood, provides the same MVP orthopedic care to our entire region at Inland Orthopedics. Our team is your team. Well, thank you not only to Chris Hammond, but to our guests, Luke Martin and Ryan Phillips. I'm Chris King signing off for this edition of the Vandal Insider Podcast. We'll see everyone in Moscow this weekend. Thanks for listening. Bees up. This has been the Vandal Insider Podcast, presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Get the latest information on University of Idaho athletics you won't find anywhere else with the Vandal Insider Podcast. From in-depth conversations to game previews, the Vandal Insider is every fan's source for all things Idaho athletics. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.